Good evening. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Tyson Bibb. A special warm welcome to anyone guest joining us as a guest this evening, perhaps maybe on the live stream given the cold temperatures. But we gather this evening to celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany, that is, uh, this blessed time when the wise men come to worship Jesus, those wise men who also go by the name of the Magi. And the reason why we rejoice in this day is not only because it is one of the oldest celebrations in the church, dating back to the early centuries, but because Christ is revealed as the Savior of the nations. And in fact, that's what that word epiphany means. It means appearing or revealing. And so beginning today and throughout this entire season, we'll be celebrating how Christ has manifest his glory and revealed that he is in fact Savior of the nations of Jew and Gentile alike. So we will rejoice in that good news this evening as we Gentiles uh, have a Savior in Christ our Lord. Our service this evening is the service of Vespers. As it begins on page 229, we now sing the first hymn. The Old Testament reading for the Epiphany of Our Lord is from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. O Lord, have mercy on us. The epistle is from Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. O Lord, have mercy on us. Please stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon text is from the gospel lesson appointed for this epiphany of our Lord, Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. This is our text. Well, in the gospel appointed for the epiphany of our Lord, we see wisdom and foolishness. We see faith and unbelief. Now, this contrast of wisdom and foolishness, faith and unbelief, it's seen in the Magi, that is, the wise men, and also in King Herod. Having studied Holy Scripture, you see, the Magi seek the Christ child by faith. They saw his natal star when it rose, and they set out to find him. Why? To worship him. You see, that is wisdom. That is faith. By the power of the Spirit working through the Word, the Magi are given the gift of faith. Now, what does faith in Christ do? It seeks Him out to worship Him. Faith looks to the Word and promises of God and clings to those promises. It is with great joy, hope, and expectation that the Magi seek out the Christ child, the Savior of the nations, whose appearance among us brings peace between God and man. With Herod, well, we see the opposite. Herod learns of the Christ child and is troubled, along with all of Jerusalem. Even that saying should perhaps trouble us. Because he does not know the word of God or value it, Herod goes to the chief priests and scribes in order to learn more about these events which have taken place. In answer to the question of where the Christ was to be born, they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, it's perhaps helpful to know that King Herod had a well-known track record of ruthless violence toward anyone who would oppose him, anyone who would interfere with his reign as king of Judea. He had no problem murdering those close to him, even wife and child. 
So long as he kept his power, wealth, and influence, that's what he cared about most. Though Herod was raised as a Jew, he was an Arab and not a descendant of Abraham. In other words, Herod was not Jewish by blood. He was, in many ways, controlled by the Romans. His presence and rule were supported by Rome's in hopes of, well, kind of pacifying Jerusalem and Judea, those who hated the Romans. Therefore, there is some kind of historical irony to him being called king of Judea. Now, Herod demonstrates his foolish unbelief by plotting to kill the young Christ child. Using the Magi as pawns, Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Well, we know from the rest of Matthew chapter 2 that Herod's intent, of course, was to kill the Christ. Now, do you see the contrast? It is pretty stark here. The Magi study and hear the word of God concerning Christ, and they seek him out by faith in order to worship him as their king and savior. Herod hears the word of God concerning the Christ, and he seeks to destroy him in order to exalt himself and safeguard his position as king of Judea. Wisdom and foolishness, faith and unbelief, they are on full display in our gospel lesson. However, we see this contrast today all around us and even among us. Just as Jesus taught in the parable of the sower, the word of God is scattered graciously hither and yon all over the world. Some hear it, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, they believe and rejoice in Christ crucified, who is Savior and Lord of all. They seek him out where he is promised to be found in his word, in his sacraments, within his church. They are given the wisdom of faith. And they cling to Christ and his wondrous gifts of forgiveness and salvation. As our Lord himself has said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In contrast, there are those who hear the word of God and they reject the Holy Spirit. Instead of receiving the gift of faith, which is true wisdom, they reject God's gift and they remain in spiritual foolishness and unbelief. As we are taught concerning the parable of the sower... When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path, Jesus teaches us. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. We see the truth of this parable all around us. Some hear the word of the gospel and they rejoice in faith at Christ crucified and resurrected for you. Others hear the word of Christ and, well, they couldn't care less. Some even lash out against the gospel, as Herod did, seeking to eliminate the influence of Christ, of his word, and of his church. Jesus has told us that in this sinful world, these things shall happen. We even see this among our own families. The Holy Spirit plants the gift of faith and wisdom in the waters of holy baptism as a child is washed clean of their sin and made a child of God. As that child grows in faith and the wisdom of God's word, they are taught the faith at home and also brought to worship by their parents where they continually hear the voice of their Savior, Jesus. Faith, like a sapling, it grows in the nourishment and light of the, purity of the purely taught word of God. The child grows in wisdom and faith, clinging to Jesus and the forgiveness that he gives in word and sacrament. And from confirmation to college and adulthood, they grow in Christ until God grants them a family of their own. And then the blessed cycle well, it begins again, and it is a beautiful thing to behold. Sadly, though, not all who are baptized continue in the faith. 
Whether it be the temptations and or distractions of this world, the experience of terrible tragedy, or just plain old spiritual apathy, some begin to fall away. There is a turning away from the light and wisdom of God's word to the darkness and foolishness of unbelief. Skipping worship one Sunday leads to two, three, or twenty, perhaps more. Perhaps it was a move to college that began the move away from Christ and his church, and still others, they have a home life that, well, leaves no room for Christ, his word, or his gracious gifts of life and salvation. Then, of course, there is peer pressure also. Whether as a child, adolescent, or adult, when the voices of our peers become louder and more influential than the voice of Jesus, well, we can be led astray. And sadly, many are. Hence the importance of hearing and reading God's word daily and gathering regularly with the body of Christ around the purely preached word and life-giving sacraments of Jesus. In this life-giving, or in this, forgive me, in this sinful world, there are many obstacles to the wisdom of faith. But you see, we need not fear. For Christ has overcome the world. He has conquered the cosmos. Jesus Christ is the light that no darkness can overcome. Our Savior has appeared, and he has shown the light of his grace upon us, setting us free from sin, death, and the power of Satan. See, Jesus is God made manifest for you and for all people. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came for Jew and Gentile alike. That includes us. His love extends to all. To those who call on him in faith, to those who have turned their backs in unbelief, to those who even openly hate him, he loves them all, and he proved it with his death on the cross. You see, Christ came to this world to bear the sin of all humanity on the cross, and that is exactly what he did. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. doesn't matter whether it's Hitler Caesar, Herod, Mao, Stalin, Castro, Jesus died for them all. Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals, Jesus died for them all. Muslim, Mormon, Buddhist, atheist, Jesus died for them all. Now, yes, it's true that many die in the darkness of foolishness and unbelief, and they go to hell, such as the case for unbelief, such as the case for all who reject the Holy Spirit, who works through word to give faith in Christ and the forgiveness of sins. However, there are many who are called by the gospel and they cling to Jesus Christ by faith. And you, dear saints, are those who cling to Christ and cling to his gifts, receiving from him forgiveness, life, and salvation. God be praised that he has given you the wisdom of faith, which ever and always clings to Jesus and receives from him pardon for sin, peace with God, and the promise of heaven, which is yours. You see, that is what true God-given faith does. Faith holds on to Christ Jesus, his word, and his gifts. And we see this with the Magi, who were called appropriately wise men. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, St. Matthew writes. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. It's no different for you. Your King and Savior has come to you. He has given his life to win yours, and he has claimed you as his own in the waters of holy baptism. Now, by faith, you rejoice in his love and in his mercy. As his redeemed people, you offer him the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise, confessing the greatness of his mighty love shown in his cross and empty tomb. That is the wisdom of faith. 
Like your brothers in Christ the Magi, you rejoice in the one who was born as king of the Jews, indeed king of all, and you have come to worship him. What is greater still is that this king of kings and lord of lords, he continues to come to you, exactly how he has promised. In his word, his absolution, his washing of holy baptism, and at his blessed table. He speaks his word to strengthen faith and to deepen wisdom. He absolves you of your sin no matter how long you've been away or what you've done. Christ forgives and consoles all his repentant people. He continues to claim sinners as his own in baptism and always lovingly points you back to the promises that he has made for you there at the font. At his table, Christ welcomes tired and weary sinners, granting forgiveness, peace, and strength to his penitent saints. Jesus has sought you. Jesus has saved you. Jesus will never forsake you. Like those wise magi, remain and abide and rejoice in his word and in his promises, knowing that one day your king and savior, he'll return. And really, he won't be that long anyway. And he'll take you to himself forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. O God, by the leading of a star, you made known your only begotten Son to the Gentiles. Lead us, who know you by faith, to enjoy in heaven the fullness of your divine presence. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For eyes to behold the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and for his Holy Spirit, that we might display his merciful goodness to all nations, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the Holy Christian Church, that God's word would richly abide in her, and that many would be led to Christ through her witness, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For all pastors, that they would fulfill their calling with boldness and provide us the riches of Christ's word and sacrament. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all Christian homes, that the word of God would dwell richly in them, as Christ himself once dwelt in the home of Mary and Joseph. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For President Biden and Governor Parson and, and all rulers of our nation, that they would bend the knee to Christ alone and rule for the good of your people. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in any danger, trouble, sickness, or need, especially Bob Rash, Ron Gibson, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips. And for those who mourn, especially Helen Tate and family, and also Patsy Bagline and family, that they would hope confidently in the resurrection. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for all who, like the Magi of old, have come to worship Christ and offer him gifts, that receiving his body and blood, we may return home according to his holy way. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For David Sharp and all who travel, that they would be directed always in the ways of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, I can't really say anything else other than what that last hymn just uh, confessed. So go in the peace of God's Son, our Savior. I'll greet you at the door.